the off schedule. Turn to Proverbs tonight instead of Matthew. We've been in Matthew chapter 5 for the past, I don't know, six weeks maybe, and we'll return there next week. Um, I felt the Lord leading us to go a different direction tonight, so we're going to be obedient to that. Proverbs chapter number 3. We're going to go probably the most familiar verses in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5, verse number 6, and we'll read that, and we'll pray and let you be seated. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6, many of you can probably quote these from memory, and if you can't, I encourage you to store them away in your memory. These are some wonderful verses to cling to. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 and verse number 6, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the timeless truths of the two verses we just read about. Lord, I pray we would commit them to our heart to be obedient to it, to cling to it as a promise from you. I pray you'd bless this service. Holy Spirit, give us liberty and leadership. And I pray that we would respond to the invitation in a way pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me say right quick, I appreciate Brother John filling in for us last Wednesday night when we were away, uh, both under the weather and at a funeral at the same time. I appreciate him standing in on last minute on that. Uh, Sunday night, we made up for last Wednesday night, trying to continue our series on a heart unto him. And uh, we covered the, the pure heart or the right heart on Sunday night. And uh, Monday morning rolled around and got in the office and began preparing for this Wednesday night, getting things lined out. And went home and told my wife on Monday, I said, it's been a while since I've had a block, a mental block. Now, I have them often, but not quite as much often in the pulpit to where you get to a place to where you just can't seem to get it going. And I says, we'll just get back to the office on Tuesday and start praying about that. Yesterday morning, got back there, and I am just staring at Matthew chapter 5, and I'm thinking, I just don't see it. It's just not there. And um, experience tells me the Lord probably was wanting to go a different direction with tonight. And sure enough, as we begin to pray about it, the Lord began to lead us to this passage in Proverbs 3 and chapter 5. Uh, chapter 3, verses number 5 and verse number 6. And uh, I was, uh, I'm going to introduce this with, uh, with something that happened to me years ago. Uh, as a young pastor, when I first began pastoring, I used to look forward to the opportunities that I would have to do what my dad used to do. And I used to love going with my dad when he would be called out in the, in the night to go to the hospital. Uh, he'd be called out in the night to go help a family and be a blessing to them. And just as a teenage guy, uh, you know, maybe my late teens, early 20s, I'd sit there with my dad and watch my dad be a blessing to families and help them through a trial or a need. And uh, to be honest with you, Dr. Miller, that was something I looked forward to. I wanted to be a part of that. I kind of felt like my dad was a superman, and he was kind of flying in there at the last minute to help people, be a blessing to them. And I said, boy, I can't wait until one day where I can go and be a blessing to people as well. And so I prepared when I, when I first became a pastor and had an office, I looked forward to people coming by the office to ask me how I could help them. I really did. I looked forward to that. And I was prepared for the easy questions of, you know, how to honor God in your life. I was looking forward to that one. I said, I can help you with that. And, uh, you know, the roles of the husband and the wife in the home, I could help with that. I look forward to those and, and why we should train up a child in the way they should go. Those were the easy ones. But I was not prepared for the hard questions that would come across the desk from time to time and the tough phone calls that I wasn't always accompanying my dad on in those trips. Conversations that would have questions along the line of how would God let good people become sick? How would God allow us to lose our child in a miscarriage? 
Why would God allow my friend to die when they were a church-going, God-honoring person? And questions like, where can we find God in a tragedy? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good, and it's really hard to explain in those moments and in those hard questions where people can find God and try to answer those questions. And I'll be honest with you, I finally came to the conclusion that I had to accept that there are difficult questions that I do not have an answer for. But as with every other question, I tried to go to the Word of God and find something that would be of comfort to people because uh, that's the place that we go to. That is our user manual for life for the child of God. And as I began to search for answers to some of those questions that were hard, I found something that helped me, and I believe it will be a blessing to us tonight. And the Lord very explicitly put this burden on our heart to preach on this tonight. And so I know that He knows what He's doing, and I pray that He'll give everyone uh, what they need tonight. Oftentimes we find in the New Testament when Christ was asked a hard question, and oftentimes he was. Oftentimes he was asked questions that were used to entrap him and try to get him in trouble. But we find many times, over 25 times in Scripture, that when Christ was asked a very difficult question, rather than answer the question with an answer, he would come back and he would answer the question with another question. As I began studying the Word of God, trying to find an answer for people who had questions that I could not answer, rather than finding an answer, I found a question. But I believe tonight, the simple passage we're going to look at here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I believe there is a question that will help answer our questions. And that's what I want to preach on tonight, a very simple subject of the question to answer the questions. And here's what we're going to deal with out of verse number 5 and verse number 6, learning to accept the things that we don't understand. If you're not careful tonight, things will come into your life as a child of God that are very hard to understand. You're going to go through trials, you're going to go through troubles, you're going to go through struggles, you're going to see injustice, it's seemingly to be injustice happen in your life, and there are going to be things that you do not understand. And if you're not careful, the devil will hold your faith captive by the things that you don't understand. You will get to a place in your life where you do not understand what God is doing and why God is doing that. And because you do not understand it, you will stop in the progress of your walk with God if you're not careful. I heard the story years ago, and someone's probably told it behind this pulpit sooner or later, but I'll tell you again, that when electricity first came out, people were afraid of it. You know, it could kill people. It's, it's like lightning running through the walls and the ceilings of your house. And so, very few people were excited about it to begin with. They loved light, but they didn't want to mess with it. And oftentimes, there were the, the wealthy who had it put in their homes, but they would not touch the light switches. They would have a servant come in and turn the lights on. And if they entered a room, they would not turn the light switch on because they were afraid of electricity because they did not understand it. And so what they would do is rather than turn the light switch on themselves, they would sit in the dark and wait for someone to come turn it on. I believe tonight, look, there's a lot of things that come our way as Christians. We are going to experience things we do not understand, things we cannot comprehend, things we cannot figure out how God is working in, and because we do not understand it, we will sit in darkness and our walk with God will grow stagnant. But I believe verse 5. And I believe verse number six will give us a question that will help us to answer the questions on the things that we don't understand. So we're going to jump right into this if we could. And I'm going to give you the question at the end of the message, if that's all right. The third point tonight will be the question that we need to ask. But before we get to the question, we really need to realize where these questions come from. 
You know, oftentimes we hear the phrase, the only thing certain in life is uncertainty. And that in life, we've got to learn to expect the unexpected. And truly tonight, I really do believe that most people believe that life is just a series of random events that happen by happenstance. That life is basically, you bump along through life and it's really the luck of the draw. Some, it's kind of like a, a duck, duck, goose destiny, if you will. It's, how many of you have played duck, duck, goose lately? A few of you? Amen. Lately. I got you on that, didn't you? A few of you have played. It's all right. We have kids. Stay young at heart. Amen. And uh, you know duck, duck, goose, you go duck, duck, and you have goose, okay? And you kind of pick the person. You have to get up and run around the room. And a lot of us tonight, I honestly believe even Christians get sucked into this. Where we believe that our life is a lot like duck, duck, goose, that things just happen randomly. And that my life is just the luck of the draw where duck, duck, goose, you're going to be prosperous. Duck, duck, you're going to have cancer. Duck, duck, goose, you're going to have that promotion. Duck, duck, goose, this is not going to happen to you. But I believe tonight we read in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 that for those willing to acknowledge God in the way they live their life, for those that are willing to acknowledge and to live by the will of God, we do not have to live that way. Just accepting what comes along in our way, and I'll show you. Notice the end of verse 6. We're going to start at the bottom of verse 6 and work all the way up to verse number 5. Verse number 6, there's two words I want you to see. The Bible says, in all thy ways, pay attention to those, thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct, notice the next two words, thy paths. So notice thy ways and thy paths. God mentions this, and when you look this up, you will find that thy ways and thy path really means a directed course of life. So Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 is telling us, God is saying, for those that are willing to acknowledge me, for those that are willing to live by my will, I have a directed set course for their life. Life is not just a random happenstance. Life is a set course that is directed by Almighty God. Now, folks, this is important to understand tonight because much of the misunderstanding of why we ask why. Why did this happen? Why am I going to this? How could this happen to them? A lot of it stems from the misunderstanding that life just happens randomly. When the Bible tells us in verse 6 that for those that acknowledge God, he's willing to direct a specific course in their life. So number one tonight, before we can accept what we don't understand, we no must understand the courses of life. That's number one. The courses of life. For those that seek to live by the will of God, listen close. Life is not about random occurrences, but more about divine appointments. Now let that sink in a little bit. For those who seek to live by the will and the word of God and to acknowledge God, the Bible says that God's response to that is that he will direct our path or direct our course. That means I'm not living life randomly floating through the atmosphere. I'm living by divine appointments according to the will of God. Now folks, sometimes there are things that come my way along God's directed course for my path that I don't always like. There's sometimes things that come my way in God's directed course of my life that I don't understand and I don't enjoy. But they're easier to accept knowing they're part of his directed path. This is where the peace comes in of living by the will of God. I know tonight that living by the will of God is not an attractive thing to our world. 
When you try to convince people to live by the will and the word of God, they laugh at you, and they would rather do their own thing. But I'll tell you this. When trouble comes and uncertainty comes and heartache comes, they are on their own. But as I live by the will and the word of God and I seek to acknowledge him in my life and something comes along that I don't understand, I automatically know and trust that it had to go through him first. That's why we live by the will, the word of God, because he has a course. And God has set that course. We know the hymn very well. I was talking to someone about it this week. Horatio Spafford that wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And most of you know the story behind that, but I'm going to tell you again just to fill in time, okay? Because we have the extra time tonight. Horatio Spafford was there during the great Chicago fire, and uh, through his work, it was very strenuous and trying to help get the city rebuilt, and they lost a son and all of that. He was good friends with D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey and decided that they would go over to Europe on a vacation to kind of catch their breath and commune together as a family. Little business held him up in Chicago, so he sent his wife, Anna, and their four daughters on the ship on their way, on a French liner, on their way over to Europe to be with them, and he would catch up with them later. November the 22nd, 1873, the ship would strike another ship and go down beneath the waves of the North Atlantic. He would receive word back in Chicago of what was, what was happening and received a two-word telegram from his wife, Anna. The two words on the telegram said, saved alone. It was at that moment that Horatio Spafford realized that his four daughters had perished in the shipwreck and were now at the bottom of the ocean. As soon as he could, he boarded another ship headed in that direction. And when they got to the place where that ship had sunk beneath the waves with the, the, the lives of his daughters on board, the captain signaled him and let him know, we're at the place where your daughter's ship went down. He walked out to the bow of the ship and began to pin the words to the song we know very well, it is well with my soul. What does it say when peace like a river attendeth my way? Isn't it wonderful when along the course of life there are peaceful rivers? I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the good days. I'm thankful for the 70 degree mornings. Hey, those are wonderful. But the song goes on to say when sorrows like sea billows roll. As he stood there on the bow of the ship and looked over to the North Atlantic, over the watery grave of his daughters, he was able to take pen in hand and write the song that we sing now, It is well with my soul. And go on to the last lines of it. It says, Whatever my lot. What is he saying? Whatever comes my way. Now, look, this is not someone who's sitting on their front porch drinking sweet tea in 70 degree weather writing this song. This is someone who's standing on the bow of a ship overlooking the place where his daughters are at a watery grave and he's able to write, whatever my lot, whatever comes my way. Look, it didn't feel good and surely it hurt him deeply. But he says, it is well with my soul. How did he deal with that? Horatio Spafford understood that it was part of his course. You see, there's comfort in living in the will of God. I remember when we were praying about moving down here. I go to my dad. My dad is my counsel. He's my pastor. I go to my dad and we began talking to him and talking about making a big move and big decisions like this and about having peace and knowing this is where God was calling us to be. And I remember it went all the way back to when I was 15 years old in June of 1995 when I came home and told my dad that I surrendered to preach. I was so excited. My dad was just kind of excited. My mom was really excited. You know, she was a mom, and dad was the level one here. And dad says, okay, you're preaching in two weeks. 
Here's what my dad says. He says, we're going to find out if you're God called or not. We're going to find out if you're God called or not. Because if God's not calling you, you will not stick with it. You need to know this is a calling of God. And I'll never forget, he says, a calling will keep you there. Knowing that this is your course, you will be able to weather any storm you face in ministry if you can go back to the place where you know that God calls you. And I remember before we moved here, look, bigger church is just bigger problems. Can we amen that? Amen. Look, you know, folks look at a bigger church and bigger ministries, they're thinking, man, bigger is always better. Bigger churches just have bigger problems. And I didn't want to get down here and go through a problem where the deacons revolt and decide they don't like me anymore. And go through this firefight and say, am I sure I'm supposed to be here? No, look, before I ever packed up my family in that U-Haul and we moved here, I knew this was the course of God for my life. And let me tell you, if it comes down to it, we might just have to fight it out on a few things because this is where I'm supposed to be. We'll be able to weather the storm. Why? This is my course. You could have that assurance tonight that, look, someone, you get a phone call tomorrow. It's a car accident. It's a cancer diagnosis. What's the first thing that'll pop in your mind? Is it God's chastising hand? Or can you say, I know I'm in the will of God. This is part of my course. Because he says, if, if I would acknowledge him, that he would direct my paths. This is what we see in the Apostle Paul's life. The Apostle Paul, we see him, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24. Paul says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Paul says, I'm going in this direction, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, listen close, that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul says, the course that I'm on, I'm looking ahead, and there's rough water ahead. There's bonds and afflictions waiting for me. And I want you to know tonight, bonds and afflictions is not something I run toward. I run from them. My wife's always trying to beat up on me. I mean, that's why I, that's why I stay so slim and trim, running from my wife. I don't like bonds and afflictions, man. Chasing me up, beating me up, trying to whoop up on me. No, listen, I run from those things. Paul says this, though, in Acts 20 and verse 24, but none of these things move me. Paul says they don't move me, they don't shake me, they don't rock my faith, they don't get me out of church, they don't get me mad at the preacher. Why? He says, neither count my life dear unto myself, keep reading, so that I might finish my course. Paul says, I understand that this heartache and these bonds and these afflictions, look, they're not going to move me because they're part of my course. Now, if you're living out of the will of God tonight, you're on your own. You go through trials and heartaches and troubles and you wonder, is this God or was this supposed to happen? But in the will of God, you can know that I am living by a directed path, a course of life that God has set for me. Now, we read at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy, what did he say before he had his head chopped off? I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. I have finished my course. Can I tell you why the Apostle Paul was able to say right before he had his head chopped off, I have finished my course because his entire life was dedicated to acknowledge God and live by the will of God and to finish the course. He started in Acts 20, we see him saying it, and in 2 Timothy he is still saying, I've got to keep the course. I've got to keep the course. Now I won't take the time to do it tonight, but there's a lot of things happen between Acts 20 and 2 Timothy 4. In your spare time tonight, go home and read 2 Corinthians 12, and you'll find out all that happened to the Apostle Paul. 
He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. I mean, all of these things, the nights that he spent out in the ocean. How did he stick through it? He says, in Acts 20, he says, hey, I've got to finish my course. And then here we are. He's even shipwrecked. He says, that's part of my course. It's okay. It's part of God's direction. Sometimes God allows that to come in our life. And that's why we have peace tonight, knowing that this is a directed path of God. I see this in the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. You got to listen close to be able to hear it, but Joseph is saying the same thing Paul was saying. As Joseph went through all of the cruel torture from his brothers being sold into slavery, and he would later go into prison and there in Potiphar's house be accused again. I mean, all of this tough time that Joseph went through, I'm sure if I was in Joseph's case, I would look up to God and say, What's going on? I'm one of the good guys. Why don't you let something bad happen to those guys who sold me into slavery? Why don't you let something bad happen to the lady who lied on me? Why does this happen to me? But Joseph, when he would reveal himself to his brothers, Joseph would say this. He'd say, you meant it for evil. Listen close. But God meant it for good. Do you hear that in those words? God meant it. That means this is all part of God's design and God's plan. Joseph was able to just continue on his course because he knew he was living by the will of God. Folks, it's good tonight knowing you're in the will of God. When those storms come and those troubles come and uncertainty comes in your life, it'll mean everything to you to know that you're living in the will of God. I'll tell you, listen to this, it's so much easier to accept the unexpected when you realize it never was. Now let that sink in for a second. For us, these things that come our way, they're unexpected. God, you took my grandmother. God, there's a diagnosis. God, you, you, you took my job. And all of these are unexpected to us. But they were never unexpected to God. It's easy to accept the things we don't understand when we realize that God knew it all along. We see this in the life of Job. I love going to Job. Job chapter 23. Job is in the midst of a trial. He's lost 10 children. Now, folks, I have troubles, but I have never gone through anything like that. He's lost 10 children. He's lost all of his earthly goods. His wife has virtually turned her back on him, and his friends are now beaten up on him. His health has been stricken. Now, Job is going to have a 42-chapter ordeal. 42 chapters. In the middle of this ordeal, in chapter 23, Job says, I go forward and I can't find him. I go backwards, he's not there. I look to my right, I look to my left. I can't find him. Job says, I'm going through this trial. And at the first, Job was doing good in chapter 1. Job was strong. But man, he's going to chapter 23, he's carrying this load. And he says, I can't find God in all of this. Have you ever been there? Can't find God in this. I've had two dear friends in their 30s pass away in the past few years. Preacher friends, pastor friends. One just a few months ago, about six months ago, of a massive heart attack. Man of God, wonderful family, soul winner, building a great church. Died of a massive heart attack right before Christmas. I remember as we drove to the funeral in North Alabama, I cannot comprehend that. I don't understand that. God, there's a whole lot of people walking up and down the streets of Hattiesburg. I think it would have been better candidates to take out of here than my friend Jared Decker. And I couldn't wrap it around my mind why God took him. But I know he was living by the will and the word of God. And he had finished his course. 
You see, there's peace in knowing that even though we don't understand, it was appointed and directed by Almighty God for those that are living by the course of life that he has set. Job would go on to say this, even though I can't find him, forward, backward, side to side, he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. He knows. I can't find him. Can't find him. I'm looking for him. I'm going through this trial. I lost all of my kids. I want you to know I would be greatly tempted to quit on God. I only have one child. I can't imagine what it'd be like with missing the one I have. To lose all ten. How did Job get through it? Job says, He knoweth the way that I take. Job says, This is part of his directed path. Number one, tonight, look, if we're going to answer the question, that needs to be answered tonight. We must understand the course of life. And verse 6 says, He shall direct thy path. God says, I have a course for your life. There are times we will go through uncertainties and unpleasantries, but knowing that those uncertainties and unpleasantries were approved by God helps you to swallow them just a little bit better. I remember my mom so often in the hospital would say, we go up there, this was all approved by God. All approved by God. You're sitting there looking at the needles in her arm and the feeding tube in her neck and all of that that's there and you're thinking, this is not good. But she's saved and she's in the will of God and she's trying to acknowledge him in her life. This was all part of his directed path. Jeremiah chapter 29, we quote this verse often. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and evil, uh, not evil, to give you an expected end. That word thoughts translates over to plans. God says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the path I have for you. Look, there's no need to doubt. There's no need to worry. Why? Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes it's tough to take those difficult steps toward the the bonds and afflictions. But when they're ordered by the Lord, you can. Because we know this is part of his course for our life. So number one, notice the course of life. Now let's work up in verse number six, verse number five. So let's say tonight we get to the place where we are willing to accept that God is in control and we are willing tonight to live by his course. There's something that tends to happen there. The last part of verse number five, the Bible says, lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not unto thine own understanding. The second thing I want you to notice tonight is the concern of our heart. The concern of our heart. You see, so often we surrender to the will of God. I'm going to acknowledge God. Okay, God, I'm going to live by your will. I'm going to live by your way. But as soon as we do that and accept that God's will is the plan for our life, our heart begins to ask the question, why? We want to do what verse number five says. We want to understand. I want to understand. Okay, I accept that this is your will. I accept that it's your will that you took my child. I accept that it's your will that I'm, I'm carrying this burden. I accept that it's your will that my body has been stricken with this disease. I accept that. But now I want to know why I want to understand. And this is where we make the futile mistake of trying to make sense of it all. I can't move forward till I understand why God is making me go through this. And this will lead to depression, discouragement, and ultimately defeat. Let me tell you why. Because in order for us to understand the mind of a sovereign God, we'd have to be on God's level. There's no way we can understand the mind of a sovereign God. It only falls to us to trust him. That's why the Bible says, lean not Unto thine own understanding. 
Romans chapter 11 tells us this in verse 33, that his ways are past finding out. That God's ways are past finding out. What does that mean? It means that my human brain cannot comprehend the mind of God. I'm not always going to be able to figure it out why God's doing what he's doing. I love hindsight. And I love when you can see what God was doing in the past. But I'll tell you, you might as well go ahead and resolve in your heart tonight that you're going to trust God whether you understand it on this side of glory or not. Because you'll never be able to attain to the mind of God. Isaiah 55, 8, the Bible says, my thoughts are not yours. My thoughts are not your thoughts. There's a term that's used every once in a while. You'll hear usually older school folks will use the term fool's errand. The term fool's errand means this, a task or activity with no hope of success. Trying to comprehend the mind of God. Can I tell you something? I don't know that you could call him God if you could understand everything he was doing. If your mind and God's mind was on the same level, I would think that's not much of a God tonight. So it falls only to us to trust God. Listen to this poem that I read this week. Beautiful, beautiful. Or it's not really a poem, it's just a a little writing. It says this, duties are ours, events are God's. When our faith goes to meddle with events and to hold account upon God's providence and begin it to say, how wilt thou do this or that? We lose ground. We have nothing to do there. It is our part to let the Almighty exercise his own office and steer his own helm. There is nothing left for us but to see how we may be approved of him. You see, that's not our job. It's God's job to know what he's doing. It's my job to do it. Verse number five says, trust to the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understand. Listen, we cannot tonight concern our heart with what God's duty is. It's God's duty to understand what he's doing. It's our duty to be obedient to it. It's God's duty tonight to know the path and to set the course. It falls to us just to follow it. This is why the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding. Do you remember when Moses was called of God and he asked God, who do I tell them sent? What is Moses trying to do? He's trying to figure all of this out. All right, who do I tell them sent me and what do I tell them when I get there? God says, I am and I will. That's all Moses needed to know. Who do I tell them is sending me and who do I stand before Pharaoh? I mean, I think Moses was trying to have it all figured out ahead of time. And God says, just tell them that I am sent me, sent you, and that I will. Matthew chapter 6 is a great passage to read, especially for new converts, folks growing in the Lord. And Matthew chapter 6 with his new disciples, Christ is laying out for them how they should live and the priorities of their life. In Matthew chapter 6, he uses a phrase we need to remember often. He says, take no thought. Now, some of you are like, amen. That's my life's verse. Take no thought. My dad used to say all the time, engage your brain, son. Engage your brain. But Jesus is telling them, take no thought. Now, what is he telling them not to think about? I mean, Jesus is telling them, do not think about these things. What you shall eat, where you shall sleep, how you're going to be clothed. Just for your Father in heaven knoweth you have need of those things. He said, that's my department. Leave that alone. Take no thought what you're going to eat, or where you're going to sleep, or what you're going to wear. That's my problem. I'll take care of that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's seeking the kingdom of God. That's our course. He says, my course is to take care of all that you're going to need. Your course is to seek first the kingdom of God. 
So the second thing tonight we must understand is the concern of our heart. Our heart is going to want to figure it out. I love what, what Peter did in, in John chapter 21. John 21, Jesus is telling Peter how he'll die and that he'll die because of Christ. And Peter looks across the way and says, well, what about him? I love Peter. I love Peter because I relate to him. Like, what's that guy going to do? Okay, I don't mind dying for you, but what about him? What's he going to do? And what did Jesus say to Peter? He says, what is that to thee? What is that to thee? That, be honest, Jesus was saying, Peter, that's none of your business. Don't worry about that. And he follows that up by saying this, follow thou me. Jesus is telling Peter, don't worry about that. Just keep the course. Peter, your course is set. You keep with your, don't worry about John's course. And so often that's what we do. We try to understand the grand scheme of things when all that we're required to do by God is to keep the course. God says, I've got your life plan. God says, I've got it mapped out. Just keep the course of the directed path. So tonight we're going to end with this, and I'll, I'll give you the question that I believe answers the question. So number one, we see the, the course of life. When you live by the will of God, you're living on a set course, a directed path, and nothing is on that path that God did not foreordain. Number two, we see the concern of the heart. We want to understand it. The Bible says lean not. Don't do it. Do not, listen, do not fall into that mirage of trying to understand what a sovereign God only can understand. So what is the question tonight that answers the questions? Well, it's in verse 5. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So if it's not for me to ask why, it's not for me to ask what and who and how, what is the question tonight that answers the questions? Well, number one, accept the courses of life. Number two, beware the concerns of the heart. And number three, Ask the question that we must answer, and here's the simple question. Do I trust God? Do I trust God? Now listen, do not overlook the simplicity of that question tonight. What God asks us ultimately is this, do you trust me? As we're on this course of life, this directed path of the will of God, and difficulty and uncertainty and unpleasantries come our way, and it does not feel good. We have but one question to, ask, to answer tonight is, do I trust God? Do I trust God? He designed this course. He's directed this path. And I'm going to trust him. Think about this tonight. When Peter was getting ready to walk on water, the question wasn't how is he going to physically displace the weight of his body to stand on water? The question all Peter had to answer is, do I trust Christ? Do I trust him? He says, come. He says, bid me come unto thee under the water. Jesus answered with one word. He said, come. Now, Peter has a decision to make while sitting in that boat. Do I trust him? Peter evidently did because he got out and he walked on water. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how are you going to survive this fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can you explain how you are going to become fire retardant? No. The only question Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to answer is, do I trust him? 
Abraham, you're being called of God to go out in a place that you don't know. What is it going to be like when you get there, Abraham? I don't know. Who's going to be there when you get there? I don't know. Who's going to help you get there? I don't know. The question Abraham had to answer was, do I trust God? He trusted God and answered all of the other questions that he had before him. I want you to remember this thought tonight. I wrote this down in my Bible. The unexpected can't defeat you. Uncertainty can't deter you. And unpleasantries can't deny you when you choose to trust God. Remember that. The unexpected cannot defeat you. Who knows what some of us may face tomorrow? May face tomorrow. Unexpectedly. Bad news. Maybe a layoff. Maybe a family member in the hospital. A cancer diagnosis. Or God forbid a death. But that unexpected can't deter you if you're trusting God. The unpleasant cannot deny you if you're trusting God. I thought of it this way. Uh, some of you, you cook, and you have those pans that don't stick. Teflon, not supposed to use metal utensils, right? I learned that the hard way. You don't use that metal in that Teflon. You put that egg over there, and you cook that egg, and you just, you just pour it right out, grilled cheese, pour it right out, because it's coated in this stuff called Teflon. Teflon for the Christian tonight will keep a lot of things sticking for you. That's trusting in God. Trusting in God is like the Christian's Teflon. When you're trusting in God, listen, doubt can't stick to you. Fear can't stick to you. Listen, quitting can't stick to you. Why? Because I'm trusting God. I'm on the determined path, the directed path that God has set for my life, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because this is the will of God for my life, and I trust him. Job would go on to say this in his life in Job chapter 13. If you ever want to find somebody who trusted God through a trial, you need to read about Job. Job would say, though he slay me, Job says he may take my life on this course, yet will I trust him. I trust him that much. The question tonight that we all have to answer is, how much do we genuinely trust God? I can't answer all of the whys. I sat in a living room with a husband and wife a while back who had just suffered a miscarriage. And all I could do was sit there and cry with them. I can't explain why, other than it's just because of sin, ultimately. It goes all the way back to great-great-great-grandma, Adam and Eve. And in that garden, when sin entered the world, this is all a result of that. And we just sat there and we cried together. I couldn't tell them why. I couldn't tell them how God could do that. But I could tell them they could trust God through it. Tonight, I want you to understand that as a child of God, you're going to have questions that you can't answer. People will ask you questions that you can't answer. You're going to go through the unexpected. You're going to suffer the unpleasant. And you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to want to lean on your own understanding and figure it all out before you move forward in your walk with God. But the only question we need to answer is simply this. Do I trust God? My prayer for our church tonight is that we would never be held hostage by what we don't understand. That we would never be held hostage by what we don't understand. As we go through the unexpected, as we suffer the unpleasant, as we see the uncertain that we've decided we're going to trust God. There's a story, I'll give you this and I'm done. There was a little boy, he climbed up in a tree while his dad wasn't looking. As his dad was walking underneath the tree, the boy jumped. And after he jumped, he hollered, hey dad, catch me. The dad looked up and the boy is in mid-flight. 
So the dad does what only dads could do, you know, a gymnastic turn and a flip, and he caught the boy and slowly lowered him to the ground, and he looked down at his son, and he says, give me one reason why you did that. He says, sure. He says, because you're my dad, and I knew you would catch me. He had so much trust in his dad that he was willing to jump and know his dad was going to catch him even after he had had called out to him. Tonight, folks, we need to decide, do we really trust God or not? It's easy to trust God when the weather's beautiful, the bank account is full, the air condition's working, and the refrigerator's stopped. But I want you to know there are days along that road that bonds and afflictions are waiting for us. And if you're not careful, not understanding that will derail your walk with God. But if you'll decide tonight, just as Job, though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. It may get rough, it may get scary, it may get uncertain. But the one question that answers all of the other questions is, do I trust God? And I hope that answers yes tonight. Let's have our heads bowed and our